Hi there, and welcome along to the JazzNet Weekly Podcast, the totally free and independent Rangers podcast made by fans for fans, where all of our content is absolutely free. And as we all know by now, it's not just the podcast that we have here at JazzNet, but if you head over to our website at www.jersnet.co.uk, you can get involved in a, a huge host of, of great inf- uh, information and material there, including the very friendly discussion forum, plenty of articles, match previews, reviews, uh, social media, all of that kind of thing. So please do head over to the website. If you're joining us live on the podcast tonight, it's just gone 9.30pm on Sunday, the 19th of December. Uh, thank you so much for giving up your Sunday evening to join us. Um, remember that the podcast is always going out live on a Sunday evening at 9.30pm on the Jersnet YouTube stream, but will also be available for download the following Monday. And that's wherever you get your podcasts from, including Acast, iTunes, YouTube, Castbox, Stitcher, and also on Spotify. Frankie's not with us tonight producing the show, so it's just, uh, just myself trying to set up uh, the stream so we've not got any fancy graphics we've not had a, a theme tune or a little countdown or anything like that apologies if you've if you've missed out on that um but we have got all the great content and i promise that the show will be back to normal for anyone who's downloaded it uh after the fact we will be back to normal as soon as possible frankie had his booster jag today and uh I, I believe he's not feeling top of the world so our thoughts are with him but we have got two excellent guests to kind of tide us over firstly gary um, I can't help but notice that is a fantastic Christmas jumper. Where did you get that from? I got this from Sports Direct when we were doing the kit boycott, and <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> there you go. At least, at least you can be honest. It cost me ten pound. It's the best ten pound I've ever spent. I think. There you go. How much of that actually went to Rangers? Do you think? Oh, probably a, a penny. There you go. There you go. Yeah, a giant mug with it as well. I didn't actually know. Yeah. I have got a giant Sports Direct mug, but it wasn't for somebody gave me it. <laughs> I think, you know, every Rangers fan can pretend that we're uber staunch and we've never, ever shopped at Sports Direct, but I reckon 70, 80% of us have one of those giant mugs kicking about in our kitchen somewhere. Oh. Um, also joining us tonight, Ian Duff. Ian, how are you? I'm good, thanks, yeah. Excellent. Um, how's your how's your week been? Have you been, you're actually, you're, you're like me, English NHS. Have you had your, your COVID booster yet? Yeah, I've had mine. I've had, I'm triple jabbed. Uh, oh. A couple of weeks ago, in fact, it was. So, yeah, I'm fighting fit. Excellent, excellent. You didn't sort of cry off sick like Frankie? No, no, no. Made, made a sterner stuff than that. Too right, too right. Excellent. Well, we're going to need all of that stern stuff to try and get through a discussion on yesterday's game against Dundee United. It was a good result, three points, um, but a very difficult game for the players and, and, to be fair, quite a difficult game for us as supporters as well to, to sit through that. Um, very foggy, very misty, didn't look particularly pleasant at Ibrooks. Gary, um, I think the, the first thing to address is that the team sheet, the starting 11, had uh, a fair few surprises, not least to say that Joe Aribo, who'd started every league game so far this season, was nowhere to be seen. Um, and Nathan Patterson, who many supporters have been crying out to get a, a starting spot, was playing, but alongside James Tavernier, and there were a lot of questions as to how that would work in the, uh, in the back four. What did you make of that starting 11 yesterday? When I seen the team to begin with, uh, my first thing was I, th- I thought that uh, Parts would have just played left back and would have just continued with the, like the, the, the team that, that's been playing okay or the back four that's been playing okay. But said so it was a, a bit weird that he seemed to play right back and Bassey was left back and uh, James Tavernier was playing centre half. But for, for whatever reason, it didn't last very long and then they changed it back. But my only thinking is that he maybe wanted a, a left footed player on the, on the left for a bit of balance for getting crosses in. But um, when Patterson ended up going to left back, I think he'd done all right and uh, for being, being right footed. But uh, other than that, I, thought, I kind of expected Aribo not to play um, when I seen the, uh, the, the, the attention being drawn to him getting a, a book in. 
uh, and missing it in the Celtic game. I thought that was it was quite sensible. Um, but then I, I'm, I'm not sure that uh, Lundstrom was the, the guy to replace him. You thought maybe Bakuna would have had a chance or something like that. But um, other than that, the, the team, as I said, I wouldn't have played uh, Lundstrom, but I certainly thought that uh, Aribo wouldn't have played, and I thought the back four was um, what I expected to be as well with Barisic being, being out. Yeah, I guess the, the changes at the back have very much been been forced with Barisic, Holanda, Balogun all unavailable. Um, Nico Kapic out on, on loan as well. Ian, uh, a scholar of the game as you are, have you ever seen a change to the shape and the formation and the structure of a defensive line as early as three minutes before? What what happened there? Well, to be honest, I don't know because I, I missed the first five minutes of the game. So I came in at it and I just thought it was exactly what Gary had said. That was the, the line. I saw the lineup and I saw where players were playing. I didn't know until, I actually didn't know until this morning that they'd actually started out in a different formation. So, obviously it wasn't working. I mean, you obviously could see, which you have to say, while you might think, well, it was the wrong decision to start with, if he's identified that it was going to be a problem that early and is confident enough to change it, then, you know, full marks to to, to Geo for that because, you know, a lot of managers would have just stuck with it and just said, right, well, that's what I've done. I'm not going to change it at this early stage. And by the time you do change it, it could be too late. So he's obviously identified that it was going to be a problem early doors and uh, and changed it and to be honest as I say I didn't even know so it seemed like the logical thing to do I mean what I would say is that it does sort of concern me a wee bit for the the future of Jack Simpson in that uh, in that squad because if he's now behind James Tavernier as a centre-back in the pecking order then where does that leave him you know you know that that you would have thought would have been the game that he would have been brought in uh, to play in, so uh, I was I was quite actually surprised when I realised what the the, for, the original formation had been that he hadn't been uh, given a go uh, himself. But but that said, you know, uh, you know, I don't know what I don't know what prompted it. I think there was a there was a case where the ball came over and Tavernier uh, went over his head or something like that. I read this morning, and that that was obviously enough for for Gio to think, well, th- this isn't going to work. Let's uh, let's change it straight away. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think you're right. I mean, there was there was a very, very early on episode where the ball did kind of come over Taft's shoulder and he just seemed to be kind of almost overthinking, what am I supposed to do playing in this position? It wasn't coming natural to him. And you have to ever, Has he ever played there before? I mean, I, I can't remember any games, certainly for Rangers, that he's played in, in that position. That no, certainly not as, as, a, as a centre-half in a back four, you know, one or two. Yeah, could, you can maybe say it's a back three, three yeah. Yeah. Um, but you, you have to imagine that there were conversations had beforehand saying, right, we will, we will start and we will try this, but be prepared to revert to a, um, you know, Patterson left back to have right back. Um, and I, I take what you're saying about Jack Simpson. It, it, it must be difficult for him because it's not just, it's not just Tav who's a fullback who's ahead of him as a centre half. It's Bassey as well. Okay, Bassey's done done very, very well, but he's still a fullback. Um, yeah, I. I suspect that Jack Simpson is going to be going the way of the, the George Edmondsons and the Jordan Jones and the Jake Hasties and probably be finding himself a lone move in January with a view to, to leaving in, in the summer. Gary, I mean, oh, sorry. sorry, Karen. I was just going to say, I mean, he's obviously came in fairly far down, you know, the line anyway, but you would have thought, you know, in the circumstances with three or four central defenders out that he would have been trusted enough to come into that position, but... Um, yeah. but obviously not 
Well, certainly in a, in a home game against a team that's been struggling for form and a team that was fairly decimated by COVID, you know, some of their more dangerous players, Ian Harks, um, John Doe Fuchs, missing. And he still still kind of get a game. So I think Leon King was on the bench as well. And you have to be wondering, would Leon King be getting a game ahead of, ahead of Jack Simpson at this point? I'm, so, I'm quite surprised that he's not actually featured before properly anyway to be honest I mean I would have thought from everything I've read he's he's a decent player I would have thought he'd have got a chance at some point but yeah and he was he, does. he was making the bench and uh, the tail end of last season be a different circumstances the league was wrapped up but yeah I agree I'm sure he will in the very near future uh, Gary turning our attention then to the, the remainder of the first half the, the following 42 minutes it was fairly slow fairly turgid a lot of possession, but not a lot being created, and, and we never really looked like causing too much damage. Um, I was, as I was writing my notes for, for today's show and trying to think back to all of the talking points that first 45, it's very, very limited. So we're going to skip ahead actually to halftime um, when changes were made. So Scott Wright was brought on, um, and the shape seemed to change. What, what happened there? What impact did, did that change have? I think it was just somebody that was willing to actually run at them. Um, as much as I, I like Yanis Hadji as a player, I don't think he had the best of games yesterday. Um, and even at, at half-time, uh, I was watching on Rangers TV, uh, they'd said that he was actually coming off at half-time, which I wasn't surprised about. And when it went back to the to the actual game, you could see it was uh, Lundstrom that they'd taken off. But that for, for especially Hadji, a great player and, and makes chances, but I think he's wasted on the right wing. Whereas when we brought Scott Wright on, I think he'll total um, benefit for, for the new system that, that Van Bronckhorst playing rather than this inverted winger. He's an out-and-out winger, got pace, willing to run at them. And like, there's two or three times can he really, really had that boy on toast. But I, I can't even remember. I think the guy got a booking pretty pretty straight away uh, when he came on. Uh, as I said, I think the, the main problem with us yesterday was Dundee United, because as you said, they were decimated, they were playing for a draw, in my opinion. And they were making it just really, really difficult for us. And we didn't really have any uh, creativity in the middle where Hadji been off the boil a wee bit. So like, guys like Lundstrom and that, all those pass it sideways. So uh, at least at least there was a bit of a spark that came on when, when, when Wright came on. There's a, there's a good comment here, actually, in, in the chat from uh, CGM55 talking about Lundstrom, Gary. Um, I, personally, I thought, I thought Lundstrom was relatively poor. I don't think he did much in, in the game yesterday. Um, but this this comment here suggesting that actually it was the fact that Kamara was was pushed a little bit further forward and Kamara wasn't really performing in that role. Um, it kind of reflected badly on on Lundstrom. I mean, Kamara, it, it's not he's not one of those players that we associate with being pushed so far forward. What impact do you think that that had on on Rangers and on the shape? I think it's not even a, a case of fear. I understand like Kamara playing a bit further forward, but I, I don't see him as a, a creative player. Uh, and I think he's pretty identical to Lundstrom in the fact that they keep it simple, that there's no really any flashes, probably don't lose the ball much, and they don't play it like the killer passes and then take the gambles that maybe like a Hadji would or even an Aribo. That's what I just think it would be a bit too, too seamsy in the middle of the park for, for their style of play. And kind of when you're trying to chase the game, kind of having two kind of deeper line midfielders, I think it was maybe what we didn't need, especially when Dundee United weren't really trying to win the game. As I said, I, I didn't think, that, I think they were happy setting up with a three or a five at the back and just kind of catching us on the break. I think that, that's part of the strangeness of, of, of the lineup for me yesterday, though, is the fact that 
he he chose to he wanted to bring Lundstrom in, but he chose to put Kamara further forward. I agree, those are two very similar players. But when you've got a Scott Wright who can play further forward, a Fashion Sakala, um, a, even a Janino Bakuna, and I actually I must admit I thought that Bakuna, who who started his career in in the Netherlands, played for the Netherlands under twenty one, um, eighty two. I'm looking at his stats here, eighty two appearances for Groningen in in the Eredivisie. Gio must know this guy, so I was surprised that he's not getting much more of a, a look in than he did under Stevie G and that he would choose to put Kamara in that position. I think, look, fair play, you have to, one of the criticisms of Gerard's reign was that he didn't make his changes quick enough. Well, yesterday, Gio changed the defensive shape after three minutes and then changed the attacking shape at, at half time, And that, that absolutely made the difference. But um, I do sort of stand by the fact that I find it a very, very odd way to set up the, the, the starting 11 yesterday. Um, Ian, to, to come back to Scott Wright, I mean, he's been a bit part player, certainly under under Gerard, um, and that's continued under Gio. Now, when he first came in, he seemed to make very rapid improvements and and did improve the team whenever he 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 got on the park. But he's not really kicked on for me. He's not established himself as a a real superstar of this team. What do you think his his future at Rangers looks like? Because it feels like it could be in quite a pivotal place at the moment. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think. He's ever going to be a star, uh, to be honest. I think he's, at best, going to be someone who comes on and maybe affects a game in the second half or late, later on in the game. Um, I just don't think he's for, for me anyway. I just I, I just don't see him as a ever being good enough to to merit a starting place in a a, a full strength uh, starting eleven. Um, as part of the squad and as part of the, the, you know, as an option to bring on, then, you know, as it showed yesterday, that he did have an impact and and did, uh, did improve the, the, the team as they were, they were set up. And that's maybe where his future lies. Whether he's happy enough with that or not is another question. And whether, you know, as time progresses, who knows what the, the, the plans are for, for bringing new players in, et cetera, then, then maybe he'll find himself further down the, the pecking order again. I don't know. But, um, but I think at the moment, you, you know, I don't. I don't see him breaking into the first team uh, as a as a starter uh, anytime soon. But that's not to say he's not going to play his part. You know, he's he, you know he's he's obviously a, a skillful, talented player. Um, just maybe not good enough to to be in ahead of some of the the guys that have, have got the possession the possession of the, the places at the moment. Yeah, and, and when we play, start the game with Yanis Hadji on the right wing, again, it must be frustrating for, for guys like Scott Wright who would see themselves as more of a natural right winger. There's actually another comment in, in the chat here saying that the, the first signing we make in January should be a, a, a right-sided winger. Um, so I, I must say I, I agree. I think that that's a real gap for us at the moment. Ian, staying away yourself, um, and as someone who's obviously very sort of rational and, and level-headed when it comes to, to these things, it's another penalty for Rangers yesterday. Um, breakthrough comes from the penalty spot, the only goal of the game. Um, and there's been murmurings of controversy. Another penalty for Rangers. Um, whenever Rangers are in a tight spot, they always get dug out by refs, giving them penalties and red cards. Do you kind of come to a point of now expecting controversy, expecting these comments whenever Rangers get penalties? And, and how do you kind of assess all of the noise that comes with it? Of course, I mean, you know... I've said it before. I mean, I've I've, I've been hearing this. Uh, you know, older than both of you guys, and I've been around for a while, and I, you know, I've, I've heard all this stuff for the last 20, 30, year, 30 years, more than that probably. Uh, 
and it's amplified now because of social media. So you're reading more about it and you see more about it, and that seems to get picked up in the, in the sort of mainstream press as well. But, but I mean, it, it, and that was such a stonewall penalty yesterday. It's hard to believe that people would would even uh, raise that as an issue. I think the fact that it was a, a one 0 win for Rangers down to that penalty is probably just sort of tent, sent some of them into a, a frenzy as usual. But um, but you know. What can you do? I mean, I suppose the I suppose the underlying thing about it is that it puts pressure. You know, the, the whole the whole narrative that all the Rangers get penalties puts pressure on referees. Or well, that's the intention anyway is to put pressure on referees. Now, I don't know whether it does put pressure on them or not. Whether they do make decisions when they're in the heat of the game based on what they might think somebody might say uh, on social media or in a column in a, a newspaper or something. I don't know. I would like to think not, but you know, who, who knows? You know what goes through through a referee's mind in that split second before he blows his whistle or doesn't. Um, but it's it's just noise, you know. It's just one of these things that will never go away. Well, you know, it, 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 you know. To be quite honest, if Rangers win every game for the rest of this season one 0 with a, a dubious penalty in the last minute, I'll be delighted. And you know, I, I don't I don't really care what what anybody says about it. To be honest. I'm way beyond uh, caring about that sort of thing now. Yeah, I think that's probably the, the healthiest place to be, unlike uh, the likes of Mr. Hartson, who are getting themselves into a bit of a frenzy anytime Rangers get a penalty. It's absolutely outrageous. I mean, when, you know, I, I don't like to sort of bring up uh, what goes on in Celtic games, but I mean, uh, by all accounts today, the Hibs had a, a pretty clear penalty that was denied to them okay. in, the, in the, the last minute of the game. And th- that will probably not be discussed by anyone really in any great detail whereas you know people will still be going on about the Rangers penalty a week from now or two weeks from now uh, and bringing it up again and how this is evidence that you know Rangers are uh, I've got the referees in their pocket I mean it's just I mean it's tiring listening to all that stuff again but the best thing to do really is just to try and block it out really is what I is my view on it yeah I I agree and I don't know. I don't know how many penalties we've had. I don't know how many penalties other teams in this league have had this season. But what I will say is, you go back through. Let's say we've had four or five penalties this this season. Firstly, it's not a surprise that an attacking team, a team that has a lot of possession, that creates a lot of chances, it's not a surprise exactly. that they gain more penalties. I remember that season that we were the first season under Warburton. I think it was in, in the Championship. Our whole game was about getting the ball down, getting it in the box, and running at defenders who are less skillful. You draw a foul that way. Martin Waghorn made a career at Rangers out of scoring penalties for a little while. Um, so we're going to pick up penalties, absolutely. But to anyone who wants to question this as some kind of controversy or some kind of conspiracy, go back through our penalties this season and tell me which one we didn't deserve. Which one was controversial? They're all they're all penalties. They're all legitimate. Um, so if the, if we are getting the decisions that we should be getting. That's not a controversy. That's not a scandal. That's not a, a conspiracy. Well, um, what they're essentially saying is is that they don't care whether it should have or shouldn't have been a penalty. They just don't want Rangers to get it. And yeah, that, yeah. They, what they want is is the referees to be uh, to cheat basically and not give the penalty because that's what they want. Well, mm-hmm. that, I mean, that's, that you can't argue with that kind of mental logic. So you know, the, you, you, you know, brush them off basically. We will do. Let's brush them off right now. Gary, um, we've, we've mentioned Yanis Hadji once or twice on the show this evening, and um, I think we all accept he's a player of significant talent um, with an excellent career ahead of him. 
but he was poor yesterday in my opinion. He got sponsors man of the match somehow. I mean, I, I, I was really strange. But I thought he was poor. Um, I think to a degree he's kind of come out and acknowledged that he was poor. He apologised for a, a, an attempted Rabona that didn't go so well and uh, admitted that that wasn't Rangers standards and fair play to him for doing so. But he's actually, for me, not had a, a great season. Um, his numbers in terms of goals and assists, still not great. What do you make of his performances so far this season and, and what he needs to do? Is it that he's been played out of position? Is it a confidence thing? Um, how do you see the rest of the season going for him? Well, actually, I think it could be uh, all of those things that you said. I, I think uh, I think Hadji's a player that needs to kind of get a team built around him to get the best out of him. I think putting him on the wings, uh, no use. Uh, if you want him to be a winger, like when he, he played with under Gerrard's system, it was more inside. So it was that was Mori's uh, talents, but you can't deny that he's an absolute cracking player and he's a, a match winning player. And I think that's why Van Bronckers has been playing him. And that's that's why I wouldn't take him off because he is a guy that will do that, will do nothing for 90 minutes, and then one pass or one ball, and we've scored or, or wins a, a free kick that, that, that potentially leads to a goal as well. But uh, see, any time I hear Yanis Hadji talk, I always say he seems to understand what, it, what it's to be to uh, play at a club like Rangers. And, and for me, that's, that's, that's just one of the, the good things that, that, that he understands. And it's a, it's a, a great player. I can't, I can't get my head around people that are criticising him. I've seen on uh, social media earlier that it was kind of the whipping boy for yesterday. And that. But sometimes people have bad games. It was, it was a bad game yesterday. And can he's not going to be a a world class player every every game? If he was, he wouldn't be playing with Rangers. Yeah, I mean he's he's raw, isn't he? But I mean I'm I'm looking at his numbers here, and he's he's got three goals and three assists this season. Um, so six goal contributions. He's played twenty one games. It's it's thirteen percent goal conversion, a goal every four hundred and eighty minutes. He's meant to be a creative player. I mean. Are those numbers enough for someone in that role? Um, given that he, I presume he'd be one of our top earners in the squad as well. Um, I don't know that to me that doesn't seem to be enough in terms of contribution on on, on the numbers, but maybe he brings a little bit more elsewhere. So I didn't actually realise his, his numbers were that low until until you said that. That's actually quite surprising. But certainly, if that that is his numbers, he needs to to buck up his ideas a wee bit because that's. See, but because he, because of the kind of player he is, he needs to have the impact. To, like, like, yeah. When we were playing last season, kind of was games he wouldn't do nothing, then he'd score a goal or, or, or create a goal and would win the game one nothing. But he needs to be doing that definitely more regularly. But again, it's maybe just the system doesn't suit him. Yeah, I think you're right about playing on on the wing. I mean, I I don't see him as a winger at all. I don't think his style. Or play really sort of lends itself to that. He's too slow to be a winger. Yeah, exactly. He's too slow and he gets a bit isolated out there and he gets a bit, you know, he's skillful, obviously, but that, you know, that's not really enough for, for a winger in the, the modern game. Um, I mean, maybe yesterday would have been an ideal opportunity for for Wright to come in and play on on the right wing and Hadji to maybe play in this, the role that that Kamara was playing in, perhaps. I, I don't know, the sort of further forward in midfield. So he's sort of. You know the sort of traditional number ten or whatever, and and maybe and Sakala or maybe or, or someone else uh, uh, in the forward line. Um, 
so I think maybe it'd be more effective through the through the center rather than than sort of stuck out in the uh, out wide. Yeah, but you know that that's all. I think still at this stage. I think Van Bronckhurst is still assessing the squad, assessing the players, looking at you know how he can make. I think that was maybe the idea yesterday was that, you know he's just going to have a try something different, try different things, and see what other options are available to him instead of just sticking with the, the sort of tried and tested that, that we've had before. So so maybe that will be some point he'll 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 change it around a bit. You know, I actually thought that uh, Hadji's best form came towards the end of last season when he played in the middle of the park. I can't even mind who it was. It was injured. I think somebody was injured, and um, maybe Davis or that towards the end of the season. And he played maybe five games in, in centre mid. I thought it was brilliant. It was middle of the park, could influence everything, put, put on all the strings. And then when we started again the season, he's been put to this kind of right side of the, the midfield. And it just doesn't seem to work for him. I mean, it might be that we do have a surplus of players in the centre midfield, and we didn't have anyone maybe available to play on the right. So maybe that's just purely down to that. that He's he's available, so he gets he gets put out there, and you know that's to his, you know, it's not it's not really uh, it's to his detriment to to sort of do that. But you know, it, with the other player, who would you drop amongst the the central midfielders? Maybe I think yeah, it's maybe especially the way that Aribo's playing at the moment. Yeah, he's, exactly. He's undroppable. Uh, I think when he sort sort of when when Hadji was signed, the, the way we played was you had a Kent kind of right footed on the left, cutting inside, and then Hadji was. Can you would think basically do the same job on the right hand side, but now that our formations changed to, to the, the wingers basically hitting the byline and we're not relying on the fullbacks as much, can I, that system's just not going to work for them. Yeah, that is. I think you're right as well. By the way, that's the the, the most notable change for me is 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 those fullbacks, and that that means that we have more reliance on the wingers, and that brings us back to recruitment in in January. I think and that that right wing position um, is is going to be key. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Interesting times ahead. Someone who's not undroppable, though, Ian, is uh, Steve Davis. Stephen Davis, who was previously undroppable, um, brought back in a couple of years ago and has, has been excellent, um, a really sort of devoted servant to Rangers over the years, but doesn't seem to be getting so much of a look in since, since Gio came in. Um, Lundstrom and Kamara both played yesterday. I think Davis's numbers have, have definitely dropped away in terms of game time since the change of manager. How do you assess that situation? A guy who um, still physically seems to be able to, to give us 90 minutes week in, week out. Um, had you noticed a dip in his form this season or uh, how, how do you assess what's going on there? Yeah, I think he was playing too much at the start of the season, to be honest. I think he was playing every basically every game uh, in those games where I thought he would be rested or somebody else would be given a chance and, and he, was, he was starting. And I think he was starting to drop off a little bit in terms of form uh, just prior to Gerard leaving. Um, that said, I mean, I don't know what uh, you know. I don't know what the thinking is behind leaving them out completely at the moment. But I think, to be honest, when push comes to shove, he'd be the guy that he'll he'll be called upon. You know, I think I, I would imagine he'll play uh, against uh, Celtic. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he plays against Aberdeen as well. I think I think perhaps he's been kept in wrapped up in cotton wool for, for the, the important games where he can be sort of brought on uh, or brought in uh, at that stage because his, his influence on the team when he's playing well is, you know, immeasurable because, you know, he really, you know, he, he, he controls the ball in the middle of the park quite often and and in, in games like that where, where it's a bit frantic, you know, he's, he's massively important. So I, I can't, I don't think it's anything 
personally, I, I don't know obviously what's going on behind the scenes, but I don't, I don't think uh, Van Bronckhurst doesn't like him or anything like that. I just think he's probably thinking you played a lot of games for Rangers and for Northern Ireland, and it's maybe time you just have a, have a break and and sort of uh, and, and recharge the batteries and then come back in when we need you. I mean, we've already spoken about uh, Kamara and Lundstrom being very similar types of players. Is is Davis another one of those? And and three players in that one position just doesn't go. Yeah, I mean, we spoke before, I think, uh, about uh, specifically Davis and, and Lundstrom playing in the same team, and that didn't work. And I think, you know, it's exactly the same situation yesterday. I don't think uh, uh, Lundstrom and uh, Kamara in the same starting uh, or in the same sort of position works either. So, you know, uh, you know, I think with the three of them who are, you know, have, offer a similar kind of similar kind of thing you might not for for games like yesterday you wouldn't really think you would need certainly wouldn't need all three of them you, you, you wouldn't even think you would need two of them playing at the same time yeah I think you're I think you're right Gary how about yourself I mean Steve Davis for for Rangers fans of a certain generation I'll count you and I in the same generation he's he's kind of been a, a, a stalwart and, and one of those players that we really matured alongside so I find it quite difficult to see him not even make it to bench yesterday how, how do you see this yeah, I, I, I think it's just the, the amount of games we've got coming up and kind of, yes, what, 30, 37, 38, is he? About, maybe a bit younger than that. Yeah, I, so, but, yeah. I, I agree with you, I think he'll probably play in the, the bigger games. We, we, we know what he can do, but uh, definitely, I think it's just our system now. Because I, I think uh, since Van Bronckers came in, he started like the kind of two-hold midfielders. I think he maybe realised you didn't need that, especially for playing at Ibrox. So he's been kind of playing Kamara's that. Is that one holding midfielder? I just think we've not got enough room in the in that team for for, for two or even three holding midfield players, as you, you are saying. But yeah. I, yeah, I think Steve Davis is just. He's, if we're being honest with ourselves, we probably played a lot more than what we thought when he came back um, a few years ago. Um, there was a point there; just there was no other option but to play him just because he was the best for that position. But if you're, if you're, you're looking after him and all the sports science and that they do now, he probably was playing too many games. Yeah, well, I think I think he probably was. I think when he first came back in under Gerard a couple of seasons ago, he was not intended to play every game. Uh, I guess the elephant in the room is we've got three players trying to go for that one pivot midfielder role. What the hell's going to happen when Ryan Jack's fit? Uh, we can we can delay that question for a couple of months at least until Ryan Jack is fully back fighting fit. Um, gents, we will put yesterday's performance behind us. Obviously, it was a 1-0 victory. Another three points on the board. Celtic weren't playing in the league. They're playing in the Cup today, um, which means that we move seven points clear, albeit Celtic have uh, a game in hand, uh, which I think they pick up midweek um, away at St Mirren. We are now not playing until uh, Boxing Day, uh, then Aberdeen, then the Old Firm on the second before we go into the winter break. So a strong position to, to kind of wrap up at the end of the year if we can if we can keep the momentum going. Um, and I think it's one of those games that, given that Dundee United's first team to beat us in this part of what 18 months, two years, just a, a, a thankful one to come away from that game with, with three points. But we'll move on and start to examine the COVID situation. Unfortunately, something that's uh, very much rearing its head down here in England. Um, plenty of games getting postponed. I think there was just the one game yesterday in the in the Premier League that survived, and, and a couple today. Um, Ian. We've obviously seen the impact that COVID has had on Scottish football in the past, um, not least with the lack of supporters in stadiums last season, but the way that the season before was prematurely wrapped up. 
How do you assess the situation that we have now? Games don't seem to be getting postponed too frequently. It's very ad hoc whenever that happens. But given what's happening in England, um, what do you think of the position that we're in at the moment? Well, I think it's probably inevitable that games are going to get postponed. I think, you know, the way the way the figures are, are going for infection rates and things like that, it's, it's almost inevitable that players are going to test positive and that is obviously going to result in games getting called off. I don't. I mean, I, I, you know, we'll see. We'll see how things pan out. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there's restrictions in terms of uh, stadiums being reduced capacity or even closed altogether in the next sort of couple of weeks. I think you know the way the way things are panning out, it, it's looking like there's going to be further restrictions across the, the, all parts of the country uh, in the next uh, in the next few weeks. So. I think football will not escape that. Um, in terms of the actual games, I think there's a case to be made for maybe having a break or a week or so or two weeks, maybe just as a sort of uh, to try and uh, to clear through the worst of it. But who knows how long that would last. So I think they'll try and just keep it going as much as they can. But, you know, we don't really know. I mean, that's the, the, the thing. We don't know how this is going to pan out. We don't know whether... The, the infection rates are going to drop soon or whether they're going to carry on. I don't know how, how vaccination rates are in, in terms of Scottish football. I know in England it seems to be ridiculous, that, that you know, especially in the EFL, um, the, the, the numbers are, are, are relatively low for, for second vaccinations and even lower for, for third. Um, I don't know what it's like in, in, in Scotland, but, you know... I, I just I think that it's going to be affected, but I you know we, we just don't know how it's going to going to pan out in terms of numbers. So my fear is that you know that it could get worse and, and that they'll they'll be inevitably having to stop stop games altogether. But yeah, well, fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah, Gary, how about yourself? What's your your view on this situation? I think they should just uh, do the right thing and call the league and give us a trophy now. <laughs> They've got priors. No, that's pressed it's been set, so yeah. Uh, but yeah, seriously, I think, I think the winter breaks will be coming at a good time. Uh, I just hope we can get to that stage. Uh, I, I think uh, zero crowds are, are going to be probably this week. I, I could see them coming out with some kind of announcement about crowds, which might actually help us for the, the game at Parkhead. Um, but yeah, it's just it's, all the cases are going up. And the way that the isolation rules are up in Scotland as well, kind of if, it's, if it's in a household, even if you're negative, you've still to isolate um, if somebody else in the household is positive, um, regardless of your, your vaccination status. So I think uh, it's going to be hard for people to, to, to not be affected, whether they've got school kids or can <laughs> obviously the, 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 a footballer's partner and thing is, is they've got to lock themselves in the house. So, yeah, so it's not looking good, but, but fingers crossed can ride it out. Yeah. That's kind of what surprises me that it's in England, it seems to have been worse in England so far that, because the, the rules are a bit more relaxed down here in terms of uh, in terms of contacts, etc. And so that you know that just surprises me because everything else would suggest that sort of the rates are sort of, sort of similar in, in uh, Scotland and England. Uh, so I, I, I'm not really sure how Scottish football has managed to, relatively speaking, sort of escape it this this so far. But you know, we'll say that now. But you know, who knows what's around the corner? But. I think even just for a COVID point of view as well, I think Rangers were pretty, I'm going to say, lucky last year that, that we didn't actually have any major cases. It could have been because we were, we were rigging the, the test with that Northern Irish company that everybody was kind of talking about. 
But um, I think that uh, luckily we were okay last year. I just hope this year we didn't get any big hits because if you were to lose four or five players for whatever reason, it could really uh, throw the season uh, in a bit of disaster. So. Yeah. I guess, Gary, the question is, what does the, what does the club do? You know, the, in terms of keeping their players safe, the club can't force people to get vaccinated, but is there anything that we can do to, to make sure that we're as protected and as um, safe as possible? I'd certainly just be telling them, I'll just can watch what you're doing, especially at the moment, and, and, and tell them why. Because it's, it's clear to see that, that doing something stupid, whether it maybe be going to a concert or, or something like that, or, 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 or can go to a Christmas market or something like that, maybe not the best idea at the moment. I think players need to sort of take a look at themselves and think, well, we're in a privileged position here. We get paid a lot of money. You know, we get we get privileges. We we sacrifice a lot already in our lives. To, we don't do things. We don't, you know, most players anyway don't go to the pub every Saturday night after the games these days. You know, they they, they sacrifice a lot to to prolong that career and to keep that career going. This is just another example of something where they have to do that. And wh- whether or not they agree with being vaccinated or not, well, I guess that's down to them. But you, and, and as you say, you can't force them to do it. But you know, all the other things that they should be doing. Like, like Gary says, I mean, they, they should be taking that into consideration. And you can't control whatever everyone else in your family does. So, you know, these things will just happen, but you just have to do as much as you can yourself and, and try and, and try and uh, you know, mitigate any risks. Yeah, that's it. Look, everyone, everyone has an opinion from, you know, we need to, to wrap everyone in bubble wrap and, and isolate through to it's just a cold and let's get on with it. There's no, there's no right, there's no wrong. Um, I certainly don't want to bore everyone with, with COVID chat. It's going to have an impact on the season. We won the first old firm game of the season, missing five key players and a manager. So we don't need to be afraid of the situation. No, we, absolutely. Have, we have the best squad in Scotland. Um, from the looks of it, we have, again, the best coaching team in Scotland. So the, the, the season, barring some heinous awarding of a title via email and handing over a trophy in a car park again, the season will sort itself out and the best team should, should, should win the league um, refereeing and uh, an SFA aside so I think that's probably the, the best place to leave it a slightly shorter show this evening but um, given how turgid yesterday's game was uh, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing what I'll say is a, a massive thank you to, to both Ian and to Gary for giving up their Sunday evenings to join me this evening uh, and a big thanks to everyone who's joined us on the YouTube stream as well lots of really great comments and chats going on there I apologise for the lack of fancy graphics and theme tunes but like I say with Frankie being under the weather um, he's the man with the keys and knows how to do all those things I'm afraid I certainly do not but thanks again for everyone who's who's given up their Sunday to come and join us like I say the podcast is always available for download first thing on a Monday morning please do like and subscribe to make sure you never miss a thing in the meantime head over to the website at www.jersnet.co.uk get involved in the friendly discussion forum you can find myself Gary, Ian and all the other Jersnet podcast contributors as well let us know your thoughts the show will be back of course uh, next Sunday which is Boxing Day we might push that one to the Monday just checking in on how uh, wives partners and all sorts feel about us giving up our Sunday evenings on Boxing Day but uh, keep your eye on Frankie's social media page and we'll let you know the latest info on that Uh, until next time please do stay safe have a wonderful very very Merry Christmas if we don't see you before then and until next time goodbye for now